Okay, uh, before we start, I think I should pray. Father, I just want to thank you that you are a good God. I thank you, Lord God, that you are exalted on high. You are the King of kings. You are the King of glory. Lord, I bow down before you this morning, O oh Father, and I ask, Lord God, that, Lord, as I come before you, as I bring your word, that, Lord God, you'll pour a fresh anointing on us, that, Lord, our hearts will be receptive, that, Lord, we will hear from you and not from me. Lord, I pray that you will speak to me and you'll speak to us, O oh Father. Lord, we commit this time into your hands and we thank you, Father, for your presence because you say, Lord, that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are also. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your faithfulness. And we want to thank you, Lord God, for this time of corporate worship. Lord, come and fill us up. Come and take your place. Lord, let your will be done. And Father, as I speak, Lord, I pray that I'll speak only your heart and nothing else. I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay, I'm um, speaking today from the book of Colossians, from verses 2 to 6, which is following on from uh, what Dave spoke about last week. So I'll quickly read. I might read the passage two or three times. Uh, each time will be different from the first. I think the first part, the first one comes from the NIV. And it says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I'll proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so you'll have the right response. Amen. And the second reading, which is still the same passage, but now from the New King James Version, says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying for us also that God will open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I, as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom to toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each other. And finally, I think I will be probably sticking onto this translation. This is the amplified version and the classic version. It says, be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us also that God may open the doors for the word, which is the gospel, to proclaim the mystery concerning Christ, the Messiah, on account of which I am in prison. Pray that I proclaim it fully and make it clear, that is, speak boldly and unfold the mystery as is my duty. Behave yourselves wisely, living prudent and with, dis with discretion in your relations with those out of the outside world, that is, non-Christians, making, making the very most of, of the time and seizing, that is, buying up the opportunity. Let your speech at all times be gracious, 
meaning pleasant and winsome, seasoned as though it were with salt, so that you may never be at loss. No, to, to know, sorry, how you ought to answer anyone who puts a question to you. Amen. So last week, uh, this is a test to see whether I was here listening. Uh, Dave uh, spoke about uh, su submission. That's the one, yeah. Uh, he spoke about submission, and submission uh, that he spoke about was quite different from the way the world understands it. The world understands submission as something that has got to do with oppression or forcefully bowing uh, under someone. However, the submission uh, that David spoke about was different. Dave said the passage is a manifesto of love and equality within God's plan for a relational order in the family. I think, I think those were Dave's exact words. When we submit to Christ, we are willfully giving ourselves to him and we allow him to be the Lord of our lives. He doesn't force us into submission. And Julie, I had put something on my uh, sermon as I was preparing, and I went on and deleted it. And when you spoke, you spoke and you said, God has given us the willpower, so we are able to choose. That was a bit that I went and deleted from my sermon. So God wanted that spoken about this morning. So I will go ahead and speak about it. So when we submit to him, we are willfully doing that. We have got the power, the willpower. God is an all-powerful God. He's an all-knowing God. He can do whatever he wants. He can, if he wanted to, he can subject us to anything that he wants us to but he doesn't do that. He doesn't force anything upon us. He is a loving God. He gives us the choice. He says, this is in front of you. You have got the will to choose. I've said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your family may live. So he has given us that willpower to be able to choose and to follow him and to submit to him. He does not impose uh, himself on us, but he calls us to submit to him and experience the love that Dave so spoke about last week. So being the church, we are part of a family that belongs to Christ. And we need to ascribe to that manifesto of love. And how, how do we do that by practicing what we do, practicing living love. What we do on Monday through to Saturday should be reflective of the love of Christ that is in us. It should be reflective of the values of the family that we belong to. As I was preparing, I came across something which I found quite interesting. The speaker said, 
he had learned something as a young boy and it goes you are writing a gospel a chapter each day by the things you do and the words you say men read what you write whether it's faithful or true so my question this morning will be what gospel are you writing according to you what kind of life do you live are you living a life of submission as Paul writes in chapter 3? What gospel is the world reading from you? When they see you in work, will they see the same person that they see here on Sunday morning? So I want, I want you to take time and think about that. In everything that you do, just think about what would the world say about my life as a Christian if they saw me doing this. If I met a complete stranger, would they be able to discern, would they be able to tell from the way I speak, from the things I do, that I am a child of God? The title of today's message is upwards and outwards the question then becomes how do we go upwards and outwards we've learned last week about the values within a christian family what we need to do with their husbands loving their wives wives submitting to their husbands children obeying their parents and when you do that, put that together, you have got that manifest of love. You have got that, that perfect Christian family. And when it comes to our lives, uh, going back to the scripture, starting from verse 2, Paul says, be earnest and unwearied, steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. As I read, the NIV says, devote ourselves to prayer. So devoting yourself is giving yourself wholly, fully into something. Doing it out of your heart, not out of duty. So when we come and we pray, we need to be praying purposefully. We need to be praying to a God that already knows what we need. He already knows all that we need. We, we don't need to be coming to him, but we do it because we have the faith that he is our father, that we, when we come to him and make the, our request known to him, then he will grant us what we need. So prayer is where everything is birthed. Prayer is where our battles are won. But when we pray, we need to be pray with a purpose. We need to be coming to him joyfully. As he says, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord, in the Lord always. Delight and gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, and your, fair, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near, which means he's coming soon. Paul then goes on to say, do not fret 
or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, define your request with thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known to God. So again, we see here that we need to rejoice before the Lord. And when we shine the spotlight on verse 6, it says we should not fret, we should not worry, we should not be anxious, but in anything, about anything rather, but in every circumstances, in every circumstance, not some circumstances, in every circumstance. And it also says, but, but everything by prayer, oh, I've lost myself, not be anxious about anything in every circumstance, not in every circumstances, not some circumstances, and about anything, in everything that we should make known by prayer. So it's everything, not some things. We bring everything, no matter how minute that thing might appear, no matter how small, we bring it all to God. And God wants us to bring everything to him with thanksgiving. He, he wants to make it known to him and trust him to give us what we need. So when Paul says continue in prayer, he means we need to keep doing prayer because continue means to keep doing something. So we need to keep praying as we ought to continue and we will see the result in our perseverance. God promises us in, in Isaiah 65 that it shall be before we call, he will answer us. While we are yet speaking, he will hear. And he says in Matthew 6 that before we even open our mouths to ask, he already knows what we need. So the father that we are coming to is a loving father that knows all our needs. He knows all our requests. It's not that he doesn't know, but it's about coming to him with, in, in, in the heart of worship, coming to him with reverence and in faith. And when we do, our God, who is a faithful God, answers us and he attends to our prayers. So I want to urge us this morning, brothers and sisters, to be earnest in our prayer, to be steadfast, to not get tired with our prayer life. When you, when you get into that place where you are praying, you are fighting battles, that is the point where your battle becomes even more fierce. When you are in the verge of winning, the enemy knows that if I leave him alone, he's going to defeat me and he's going to throw challenges at you. As I said uh, earlier on, I'm someone who's uh, really very well soft-spoken and take my time in speaking. However, when I get to that point of prayer and when I let loose, uh, the Holy Spirit takes over and Apparently, I, I, I become somebody else that I don't know, even myself. And that is, that is a point where I want to live in, 
where I can freely let go and let myself be connected to God and let the Holy Spirit just minister to me and let him be at work in me. That is the life that I'm praying for. But because I, I get to that point at times, the enemy attacks. And when he, he attacks, it really does come hard on you. Over the last couple of months, I have been in a very barren ground. I've been struggling even to open my mouth to pray. So if you are going through a season where you feel like not praying, I've got one, one hint for you. Pray even harder. When you feel like you don't want to read your Bible, read your Bible more. Because it's the enemy that's trying to stop you from doing that. He'll do things in your life that drift you away from your walk with God. He'll do things, he'll bring situations into your life that take you away from that space that you are with God and take you into the ways that are away from God. But when that happens, know that you are not alone. He promised that he wasn't going to leave us alone, that he was going to send us the comfort to the Holy Spirit. And when we can pray, the Holy Spirit helps us with, with groanings and mournings. He speaks to God on our behalf. So when you have got no words to say, let the Holy Spirit take over, which is why it's important to be baptized by the Holy Spirit, to have that power, to have that gift of speaking in other tongues. It is when you don't know what to pray that the tongues kick in and they will intercede on your behalf. So if you haven't had that gift as yet, it is the right time now to pray to receive that. And it is a free gift that you can receive. You don't have to pay any money for it, and you don't have to do anything. You just have to believe and let the Holy Spirit take over. Paul then goes to say on verse 3, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open the door for us for the word, which is the gospel, to proclaim the mystery concerning Christ the Messiah on account which I am in prison, that I may proclaim it fully and make it clear, which is speak boldly and unfold that mystery as my duty. So Paul is calling on the church to pray and to intercede on behalf of of him and the others that are in prison. What I, what I could ask us to do as a church is to pray for those that are in leadership, those that have got the role of preaching the word of God, that God will reveal his mystery to them and he will simplify it so that when they speak it, it, it will not be too complex. It will be something that they understand. Sometimes I go into a sermon and somebody speaks and I come out and say, I have got no clue what they said. So it is why we need to ask that God will reveal the mystery and that when we speak, it doesn't matter what, what type of congregation is in there. When the person speaks, whether it's a young person or it's an elderly person, they will understand what God is saying. So let us pray that God will give us 
will give us that opportunity that when we go and preach the word, we will not pick and choose or cherry pick, as they call it, a certain scripture that meets our, our need, but speak the word of God without diluting it, without taking away from it or adding away from it. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 6, 2 Timothy 3.16, I don't know why I've got two and one Timothy at the same time. Uh, it says, every scripture is God's breath, which is, it is given by his inspiration. And it is profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for every correction of error and discipline in obedience, and for the training in righteousness. By that we mean holy living, in confirmity in God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. So everything that we do should be in conforming, conforming to the will of God, whether it's in our thought, whether it's in our actions, whether it's in what we say. So that men, the men of God, may be complete and proficient, well-fitted, and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we need to be praying that when our leaders stand in front of us. They are not just standing in front of us with the scripture that they have uh, cherry-picked uh, and is going to keep harmony within the church. We need to speak the truth, not to keep harmony. The truth is what we need. The Bible says we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. If we are a church that wants to keep harmony, then we are not the church of God. We need to speak God's truth and allow him to work among his people by speaking the truth, speaking his word, which he inspires us to speak. So as, as, as Judy mentioned, we have got an enemy, and that enemy is prowling around. He's seeking for, to, for those he can devour, and he comes in different shapes and forms. Julie mentioned about fear. He'll come and tell you you are inadequate. He'll come to you and remind you of your past life. But Paul says in Romans 8 that there's now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. That means our past has been forgiven. If we come to him and, for, and confess our sin, Paul says we become a new creation. All things are passed away and we are become new. So when we come to him, let us come to him and remember that he is our God. He says he will never leave us nor forsake us. And whatever trials that we may go through, we need to know that Jesus went through those same trials and he overcome them. And he also says, Paul also says, in, in our time of temptation, God will provide us a way out. So we have got that willpower to, to utilize that way out. Many a time we have got box sets or, or whatever it is that we watch. And when we do, sometimes we leave ourselves vulnerable because some of the things that we watch are not in line with the way that we should be living as, as Christians. So be careful of what it is that you watch. Be careful of what it is that you feed yourself. Be careful of the people that you hang around with. 
We need to be around the people that do not know God to influence them, not to be influenced by them. But the way that we live, they should see the Christ in us. Somebody said we might be the only Bible that those people read. We might say something else, but if our action says something different, then we, we, we are teaching lies. Because they look at what you do rather than listen to what you say. How you, you conduct yourself in work, how you conduct yourself in school. If you say you are a child of God and you are given homework and you do your homework at 5 to 7 in the morning when you're supposed to be getting ready for school, then you are not doing what you ought to be doing. Speaking to children, Dave said about obeying your parents. What does it mean as a child to obey your parent? It means when your parent asks you to do something, you get up and do it. You don't say, I'll do it later, or I'll do it when I get time. Your parent wants you to do that for a reason. They are asking you to do that for a reason. And it also speaks back to the parents, and it says not to provoke the children to anger. So it's a two-way street. The children need to do what the parents ask, and the parents need to acknowledge their children and not bring them into anger. I was listening to someone during the week, and he said they, they are teaching their children to be truthful in everything that they do. So if the child has done something and they, they have not seen it, they ask, who has done this? And the child owns up, then that's okay. The child goes unpunished. And they'll talk to the child and tell them, okay, you shouldn't do this, and this is what you do instead. And by doing that, the child knows that if I own up, I don't get punished, and they know to live a faithful life. But if the child comes and says, oh, I did it, and you then punish the child, what that means is next time something happens, the child is not going to own up. The child is going to lie because last time I owned up that I did it and I got punished. I don't want to get punished this time around. So I thought it was a, a really good way of uh, bringing up children so that the children are open and they know they can come to you with anything. can't remember how I got there. I did. Paul goes on to say in verse 5, behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and with discretion in your relations with those, with those outside the world, which is the non-Christians, making, making the very most of time and seizing or buying up the opportunity. So earlier on, I mentioned uh, about the story that we are writing a gospel. And I ask, what does your gospel say about you? What is it that you are writing? What does it say about your Christianity? 
are you a Christian by mouth? Or are you a Christian by actions? Do, do your actions declare that you are a Christian? I've mentioned before, uh, I just mentioned again that you might be the only Bible that people read. So if you are the only Bible that other people read, then you need to awake from your slumber. You need to awake from your sleep and do what that Bible says. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, that is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled in the with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, we need to take a step back and take stock of our lives and think, how am I conducting my life? How are people from outside viewing my life? Am I coming as a presentable Christian or am I coming as a, a cover-up Christian? Am I living the life that Christ is expecting of me? Is my speech seasoned with salt? Am I treating my colleagues the way that they ought to be treated? I just want to leave that with you. Take a step back and reevaluate the way that you are living. If Christ came today, will he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Or will he say, go away, I never knew you, you evildoer. That's up to you to decide. And that's up to you to make those necessary adjustments if you need to make any adjustments. Shall we bow our heads? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God. And we thank you, Lord, for your word that you have given to us this morning. Lord, we ask that you will speak to our hearts and that, Lord, you will reveal those places in our hearts that need work. Father, we pray that you'll give us the strength for we are nothing without you. 
We pray, O oh Lord God, that you'll strengthen us. We pray, O oh Lord God, that you'll guide us and you'll protect us, O oh Father. Let us live a life that is pleasing to you, O oh God. You are our God and you are our Father. And Lord, besides you, there is no one else. We worship you, Lord, and we adore you. We commit, Lord God, this coming week into your hands. And we ask, O oh Father, that Lord, every step that we take, we'll take with you. Lord, we pray that as we go out, we will be the salt and the light of the earth. We pray, Lord God, that you will be exalted in our going out and in our coming in. Lord, we worship you and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, we will pray. Amen.